This is the Chiefs' official podcast network. Take advantage of the day. When you get an opportunity in this game, you make a play. The playmakers on three. One, two, three. Touchdown, Kansas City. The Chiefs are right in the thick of it, baby. Well, welcome to this edition of Defending the Kingdom, part of our Chiefs podcast network all year long. We've mentioned 360 Vodka, the official vodka of the Kansas City Chiefs. Mitch holds us with you along with B.J. Kissel, Chiefs reporter. And we've changed our venue, man. Yeah. Like, just, people just start <laughs> stop watching just because they're getting mad at us at all these beautiful places. Yeah, I heard liberal Kansas is going to have 13 inches of snow. I'm sorry. Be safe. But, yeah, here we are. We're a little further north, about 45 minutes north of uh, where we were yesterday on the beach. And, by the way, BJ, you talked me into coming, going down to the beach yesterday and then a 7.7 Richter scale earthquake in the Caribbean. But yeah. uh, the, the, the ocean was calm yesterday. Yeah, and it didn't stop people from going to the beach because we had a live <laughs> studio audience. But you couldn't see them. You see the people in the water behind us, but in front of us there were a whole bunch of people that uh, we were making cheese fans. Cheese Kingdom got uh, a little bit bigger yesterday. It sure did, and it continues to grow and grow and grow and grow. And that is the focus of this podcast and this issue of uh, defending the kingdom because we're entitling this what winning Super Bowl 54 could accelerate. The Kansas City Chiefs brand, the franchise, and the Chiefs Kingdom is in uncharted waters, to give the ocean analogy. And these are good waters, but... It's going to start with what we're going to start today, our first quarter, of what's already happened on the field. And it really starts with Patrick Mahomes, his performance so far in two seasons, and then his uncanny appeal. He has got an international appeal. Yeah, I think the way that he started his career and having one of the best seasons, and it's been talked about so much, but having one of the best seasons for a quarterback in NFL history at 23 years old kind of took the NFL by storm. I feel like if he would have flip-flopped his two seasons, it would have been a little bit different, but the fact that he was so good, so quick, and he was so humble and likable, he's active on social media, he gets it, and he just he talks about his teammates, and whether he's in front of the mic or behind it, when we see him walking around, he's the same guy. And I think the most satisfying and gratifying thing, and we've talked about this a lot off off air, is that he's the same guy this year that he was last year and the same guy that he was a couple years ago. And I remember being on Radio Row in Houston interviewing him and that he was the same guy back then and the way that he answered questions and the way that he carried himself and the way that he was just gracious and pleased and thank you to all the, the other people around him. It's one of those things you expect from people, but it's just that much nicer when you see it, uh, especially from a guy who's you know the face of the NFL right now. I think the point you make, it's an excellent point, was to do this in the sequence in which he did it, meaning the 5,000 yards and 50 touchdowns. But all of the doubt throughout the offseason, in fact, we addressed it in a, uh, way back in the spring on defending the kingdom, was what's he do for an encore? Because yeah. the pundits around the league said, oh, but what's he going to do when he doesn't throw for 5,000 yards and 50 touchdowns? What's he going to do when it gets really tough? That's where this year comes into play. And to me, it's my favorite year of the two because we've said it before. You've mentioned it numerous times, and so have I, where he was able to win games throwing for 185 yards, yep. wind tunnel, uh, snow, ice, uh, no matter the circumstance, tough schedule, injury, missing two and a half games. He proved to the rest of the NFL that, oh, no, he can do it in those circumstances too. Yeah, and I think everyone has seen – 
the plays on the field. They know the games that we're talking about, the key plays that were made in those games. But I think, and one of the great things about our podcast network is we get to provide kind of the behind the scenes and add a little bit of perspective. I know passing professionalism perspective is your deal. And I think one of the great things about it, and I can specifically remember different games where he would go out and throw for 400 yards and three touchdowns and we lose the game and he wasn't happy after the game. And that's not always the case with guys. Guys go out and play really well and the team ends up losing. You still kind of see them being pretty happy about themselves. But on the flip side, he goes out and throws for 150 yards, two interceptions, but rushes one touchdown, makes a couple key plays. He's happy after the game. He doesn't care about the stats, and he's mentioned it. At Texas Tech, he put up a lot of stats, didn't win a lot of games, and the stats didn't get him much, but, you know, a footnote, little nuggets for media to use when they're talking about him. But uh, the fact that he goes out there and makes plays and doesn't care what the stats are at the end of the day as long as he wins the football game and uh, look where we are right now. Yeah, and 27 wins, by the way, in two years for him, including three postseason wins with a franchise that won one postseason game in 22 seasons. Here's another interesting thought um, that Greg Pop is my counterpart. Now he's in San Francisco. For years he was the Oakland Raiders play-by-play guy, the touchdown Raiders, and now he's doing San Francisco. Um, but he has a uh, Colin show he does a sports show in San Francisco it was before the 18 season and he was asking me about Patrick Mahomes this was before uh, he became Patrick Mahomes and he said who does it remind you of and I said Steph Curry and I could hear all of the laughing in the background you know how producers are oh God, ha, 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 what an idiot this guy is meaning me uh, after the year they had me back on and they go oh my gosh he's Steph Curry but yes. I think that's part of the appeal with him is he is so unique Steph Curry has this worldwide appeal, and so does Mahomes. Yeah, I think and <laughs> you see the worldwide appeal very quickly with the State Farm commercials with Aaron Rodgers and all the other stuff that he's done, the Madden commercial where he like, throws the thing and like no-look pass over to the side. I just think it's been the perfect whirlwind storm, and it's, it's crazy for Chiefs fans because you know, we had waited so long for that first-round quarterback for our guy and all those things that we used to say for so many years, and now not only did we get our guy, we're getting our guy that's doing things that's never been done in NFL history. And, uh, again, the fact that he's a good dude, uh, carries himself the right way, and uh, he's marketable, what he's done for the organization. I know one of the things that Mark Donovan uh, always says is prepare for success. Be ready for success and make sure that when a guy like Patrick Mahomes steps in, that whether it's the creative team, whether it's the marketing team, whether it's the sales team, whatever it is, that everybody's ready to capitalize on the branding and just the added attention that the organization is getting and I feel like we've done a pretty good job he's always can do better but I feel like we've done a pretty good job and um guy keeps making plays it makes things easier if he wins when he wins let's put it out there, there against go. the 49ers he will check every box that an NFL quarterback can check in their career at the age of 24 it's never happened to be an NFL MVP probably be a Super Bowl MVP under that scenario and win a Super Bowl at the age of 24 that's not happened but again, that sets up the Chiefs' kingdom for what could be. This experience here, BJ, to me, is yes, it's the moment. And some would say, wow, it's been 50 years. But to me, I'm feeling all this energy, and we're going to get to this in the next three quarters. But because of that fact alone and the fact that Mahomes and this team's just kind of getting started yeah. really puts an interesting dynamic that maybe the NFL hasn't seen ever. Yeah, and I think it's hard to not get too far ahead of yourselves. There have been a lot of organizations, think back to the Chiefs in the 69 season, where you just thought, we're going to get there every year. We've got this ridiculous defense. We've got this team built that you think you're going to get there every year. And we can sit here now and say, we feel like, feel like we're going to get here. There's every reason to believe that we will. But don't lose sight of the fact that this is special and be where your feet are. Own this yeah. moment and take advantage of this opportunity because you don't know what the future holds. Um, but 
based on what we've seen from the guys. They're having a good time. They're enjoying this moment. They're letting their personality show. Like we talked about on In the Trenches yesterday, uh, some Chiefs fans have seen some stuff on social wondering if the guys are too loose, if they're yeah. having a little bit too much fun. And I would just say they're embracing the moment. That's yeah. exactly what you wanted to do in the situation. But make no mistake, when it's time to lock down and get to business, which what they do the rest of the time uh, when they're down here, they're absolutely doing that. Coach Reed does a phenomenal job secluding those guys. And when it's time to get to work, they're ready to get to work. And you and I are in agreement on this, I'm pretty sure, because of all the shows I've been doing this week nationally and, and regionally, this team is hyper-focused. Yeah. But we saw that in OTAs. This team has been so laser-focused. And in my 26 years, I'm trying to think, I'm trying to scan through it. I've not seen a Chiefs team this focused. This, all of this stuff isn't taking the – they're not taking them off the rails. You, I think you've said it very well. They're enjoying the moment. But I can just tell from these guys, they're ready to roll. Yeah, I, I don't know any different. I only know Coach Reed. I, didn't, I, didn't get, <laughs> I started at 14, so I, you tell all the stories. I, I, I can't yeah. relate. You, you, from behind the scenes. You chose I wisely. I can't as a Chiefs fan. I can't from, uh, from seeing the behind the curtain. Your sense of timing's good. All right, let's go to the second quarter now, this Defending the Kingdom podcast, entitled, What Winning Super Bowl 54 Will Accelerate? Now, let's talk about what's happened in the Chiefs' kingdom already without a Super Bowl 54 victory with Mahomes in the last two years. And it's got to deal with putting Kansas City, the Chiefs' kingdom, in a whole different platform. Okay, let's just throw some stuff out there. First of all, you get to do sideline. I'm the play-by-play. It's now the largest network in the National Football League. It's the Chiefs. I just, like I said, my timing is perfect. I, just jump right there. I was going to tell Dan Israel, executive producer, that I've been on the sideline for one year and we go to the Super Bowl. Hey, you're in. All right. The social and digital growth has been phenomenal. Now, keep in mind, this is one of the more, uh, least populated uh, areas of an NFL franchise. Um, but the growth, I'm just going to read through these. One point now it's the social footprint now for the Chiefs Kingdom is five million. It has grown. Yeah. It has grown in two years, almost doubled, close to double, almost forty five percent growth. One point six million Facebook, one point four million Twitter, one point two million Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, Snapchat, these podcasts have seen phenomenal and in some ways exponential growth. Yeah, Gabby Timmon, um, our digital analyst for the, the digital media department, does a phenomenal job going through all those numbers. And every week she sends out uh, the numbers that tell us that we're always, you know, top three in growth. And that's a lot of times it depends on a win. People are happy after win. They absorb the content. But uh, it's withstood even after we've lost and we had that stretch. We lost like four or six in the middle of the season. The numbers were always really good. And as a credit to the guys behind the scenes who are putting all the content together, it's easy for us to get up here and just talk about the team. Yeah. But the guys behind the scenes doing all their creative stuff. Uh, Instagram has been a huge thing tiktok is now uh, a huge thing fernando uh, i call him hunkadella uh, does a great <laughs> job with social media and alex mary does a great job the people behind the scenes that you don't get a chance to see that um are really a part of creating the excitement i always say our job is to entertain inform excite and a lot of the people who help do that to create the hype videos and create that social content that allows the brand to grow in the ways that businesses and brands are growing right now via social media so many people behind the scenes that put all that work together and they do a great job they don't get enough credit for what they do but uh yeah, it, when you have a guy like Patrick Mahomes and he's social media savvy and you have a team, again, that's prepared for success, that this, uh, pl- that the department was in place, Mike Giacchini, Glenn Connolly, all those guys behind the scenes do a great job. And uh, I feel like we've capitalized. There's Everybody can always do better. But, yeah, it's been a lot of fun. But think about what you said. Top three in growth. Yep. The National Football League, maybe the 
Premier League in soccer can match it as far as worldwide growth. But the Chiefs, it's the Chiefs. Because many times, and you and I both grew up in the kingdom geographic area, mm-hmm. it's seen as, well, it's the Midwest or small market. You hear small market all the time in relation to Chiefs uh, professional, or I'm sorry, Kansas City professional franchises. Top three in growth in the world's most impactful league. Uh, that's an arguable statement. But just think about that a second. Dustin Colquitt had a great quote the other day. He goes, it's not a small market team. It's not a small market. It's a championship market. But now we're seeing that as far as people going, what, what are the Chiefs? The Chiefs are a lovable team, even beyond Mahomes. Yeah. And so people are noticing that around the world. Yeah, I think the two things that I've heard and just witnessed over the last couple of weeks, I saw one of these, uh, a tweet on social media, is that Patrick Mahomes the number one selling jersey in the NFL this season. And between that standing out, that's not terribly surprising, but it kind of just shows that you have a player that transcends the game like that and those highlights and all those things, those plays that we've seen a million times resonate with people who, when you grow the game internationally and you go down to Mexico City and they get a chance to see him, then they get on uh, social media or the internet and they see the highlights. But the other thing that was really surprising when you talk about the effect and just kind of the... The, I don't say consequence, but going down to Mexico City and what that has done. Clark Hunt, when he spoke uh, with the media yesterday, said that he had more requests from Mexican television stations to do interviews than he did from the American stations <laughs> when he was going through his media. And he said it was a direct result of going down there and playing in Mexico City, which is interesting because if you look at Patrick Mahomes' season, that was not one of his better games. <laughs> and he still had that appeal. Um, you know, it's, it's cool to see what the world is figuring out about how special Chiefs Kingdom is and then the, the pride that we all take of being a part of this for so long. And there's that generational fandom that you and I have talked about a lot that, you know, it's passed down from, you know, grandparents to parents to kids to their kids, and uh, it's what makes it special. By the way, the, uh, the vehicles you hear going behind us and you're seeing, we've expanded our budget. It's our own ground crew to make sure <laughs> that we have this set up for you. Uh, yeah, great people. Though We were mentioning all the people of 65 TPT. We had to mention our grounds crew. But Gabby <laughs> also came up with an interesting uh, kind of inside the numbers that only 20% of the social digital fan base is in the Kansas City metro. Now, yep. we know about the, the vast expanse of the Chiefs Kingdom, but the big increases have been, you mentioned it, Mexico, Germany, Brazil, the United Kingdom. Had a chance to talk with Chiefs Chairman and CEO Clark Hunt. You, you, you alluded to his being on Mexican television a lot to interview during, here during the week in Miami. But he, had, he gave great perspective on what a Super Bowl 54 victory could do, again, to make it even more enhanced and how the Chiefs kingdom continues to grow. I mentioned earlier that uh, one of the byproducts of having a, a player like Patrick Mahomes and getting to compete in championships is uh, the ability to grow, grow your brand. And I think you know, whether that's in Mexico or whether that's in the United Kingdom or, or Germany, and I just I picked those markets. We've, we've played in two of them, and uh, we have a relationship uh, with Bayern Munich, and, uh, and I've spent a lot of time talking to them over the last 12 to 15 months, and the interest in the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes uh, is tremendous. Um, I, I think it'll give us a platform going forward uh, to grow our brand internationally, uh, perhaps you know, play uh, again internationally. I think uh, the league uh, will want to showcase the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes, and there'll be a lot of interest in them. Yeah, it gives a great perspective there, and he's been involved with the NFL in expanding that footprint as a league um, on the international committee, but now his player and his team uh, is really the lead team in this. Um, 
Some other numbers. The franchise has been phenomenal. Now, in a, using another uh, venue here or another platform, 3 million views of the franchise, which has been so incredibly produced uh, by Dane Van Hoy and also uh, Luke Benna. Uh, when you look at the Chiefs Podcast Network, you and I involved in that, all of a sudden now surpassing 1 million uh, folks that it, in every week, uh, uh, or at least overall, uh, throughout the season, I should say, on the Chiefs Podcast Network. So suffice it to say, the Chiefs are in a different territory here than any time in their 60-year history. And a Super Bowl 54 victory takes it to me to a, almost another solar system. I feel like the thirst is real for content. I saw that when we put out the, the live stream of the guys painting the, the gold end zones uh, before the AFC title game, and the video had 200,000 views. People watching the, the end zones get painted, which looked phenomenal. Travis Hogan and the staff to, did a great job getting all that set, and they came down here and got the stadium set up over at Hard Rock before this game. But, um, yeah, I think that you talk about branding, you talk about what a Super Bowl victory could do, and I think the greatest and the best answer is we don't know. It's a, it's uncharted territory. This is all uncharted territory for all of us. You've been asked about you know your friends that that aren't Chiefs fans. They're asked about Patrick Mahomes. You're like the guy's doing crazy things every single game, and then being humble afterwards. He is he is the pro. If you could create a player in Madden and then add personality traits, like that's ex- Patrick Mahomes is exactly who we would create. Again, for you electricians in the Chiefs Kingdom, don't be worried. I know we're crossing our wires here because this is uh, in the trenches, crossing with defending the kingdom, but it's all safe. If you want to take a break, I can go on the eighth (laughs) tee over here at Turnberry and swing a couple clubs. I'm sure everybody out here is on vacation. They wouldn't mind letting me Oh, it's so tempting. Beautiful. Uh, And a terrific location here uh, for the Chiefs up in the northern part uh, of the Miami Beach, basically, in the area, yeah. the Aventura area. Yeah. And the people are really nice. Like, Super everybody nice. around here, yeah. like, all security and um, all the stuff, where it's the team hotel, so obviously there's a ton of security around now before the Super Bowl, but um, everybody works at the hotel. Everybody in the area has just been phenomenal. Okay, this is halftime of the Defending the Kingdom now with Sean Barber. You know this. NFL halftimes are only 12 minutes. However, in the Super Bowl, it's 30 minutes. And actually, Andy Reid's already been coaching the guys who have had to handle that. Yeah. Uh, we can get to that in a second. But halftime on this podcast is only one second. It's like a virtual time. All right. You have to go to the bathroom. You get an orange like the guys do in regular soap. There it is. Now we're in the third quarter. How's how'd that feel? It felt pretty good. I'm excited for halftime, though, because normally on the regular season game, I don't have time to do anything because I'm down there doing the radio. I just kind of, like, wander around aimlessly. Now i got 30 minutes to get to see J-Lo and Shakira and watch the whole halftime show. And if you go on stage with them, though, that's when it's going to get frightening. You never know. Karaoke. With, you uh, mean forever. J-Lo and uh, BJ. Uh, <laughs> I can see I'll it right jump now. in with the dancers. I can see Megan and your wife going, what, what, what? Okay, third quarter here, and this deals more with football issues um, and a perspective of what a Super Bowl 54 victory could mean. We have seen this actually redefine the football side of franchises. Let's take yeah. one great example in the AFC. It's the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now, if you want to go into history – The Steelers were the worst team in the NFL in the late 50s and the 1960s. They were bad. The Bill Austin years, uh, the old uniforms, if you go back and look at the NFL films, like the yellow shoulder pads. Chuck Knoll changed things. Terry Bradshaw comes in, steel curtain, immaculate reception. BJ, for 50 years, the Steelers have been the epitome of consistent winning. How many times have you seen them go 1-15? Yeah. Okay. That run in the late 70s to finally go from the worst to be one of the best has lasted. To me, with this Chiefs team and the way this has been built brick by brick, 
I get the sense if they can win this game, and even if they don't, this is something that can last. Yeah, it's built for the long haul, and I think that's that's every goal. And, and football's a little different because of parity and the draft and, and the salary cap and all those things. But, you again, you prepare for success. And the, way, the relationship between Andy Reid and Brett Veach and everybody else on that staff and the way that they work for him and the way that Coach Reid develops the next round of coaches. Just think about what we've done offensively. Just stay on the football side. Think about what we've done offensively. How many times do you lose – Doug Peterson, you lose your offensive coordinator. And then you have Brad Childress and Matt Nagy come up. And then it's Eric Bieniemy's turn. And the, the offense just hasn't missed the beat. I saw a tweet the other day. It's about you draft Rodney Hudson. He becomes the highest paid center in the league. that goes off. Then you draft Mitch Morse. And then he becomes the highest paid center. And then you get Austin Ryder. He steps right in and the offense doesn't miss a beat. It's about being prepared for success and being prepared for the long haul. And every, you try to find these micro examples and you can find them very easily. But I think it's a great point with the Pittsburgh Steelers and kind of how they carried that success. But Vahe Gregorian, the great columnist for the Kansas City Star, I heard him on the radio, so I don't want to steal his. This is coming from Vahe, I'm paraphrasing. But he brought up the example of John Wooden, uh, the UCLA coach, that he coached for like, I could be wrong here, like 12 to 15 years before he ever won a title. And now he's synonymous, and his name is, you know, you look up champion, you're going to see John Wooden's name, and he goes 12, 15 years, doesn't win one, and then wins 9 out of 10. So that's what I kind of think, hopefully Andy Reid wins 9 out of 10. That would be be phenomenal. But there have been so many guys who's, the way that people feel about them changes once they get that first title. Peyton Manning was that way, that he wasn't winning the big one. So when it comes to, like, Coach Reed, I think the perception of him would be completely different with this win. I agree. Because I feel like then the monkey's off the back, and, again, it's prepared for success the long haul. I think when it's all said and done, it's not going to be, did Andy Reed, like, I think the questions people are asking now are going to be an afterthought by the time uh, his career is said and done. Yeah, he's going to go to the Hall of Fame. I think you and I agree on that. Regardless, Marv Levy made it, never won a Super Bowl, had those four runners up. I mean, tough. But what Andy Reid doesn't want, uh, what we don't want for Andy Reid is the graphic we see nearly every day of the winningest coach in NFL history to not win a Super Bowl. So to me, one of the things that when Andy wins this Super Bowl or a Super Bowl Mm -hmm. that will come uh, to the forefront will be how he has been the coach in the NFL to take what the college game has presented over the past 10 years in specific and morphed it into what the NFL must have. Meaning, in the case of Cliff Kingsbury, you can't run those protection schemes you have at Texas Tech, or Kyler Murray won't make it to his third year. And so he's taken the best of the NFL, or necessary that you have to have in the NFL, and said, I'm not going to ignore the college game because I've coached 21 years, and here's what I do. Nope, he has morphed and changed, but he's also said it's got to be molded into this framework. That, to me, is one of the most impactful things Andy Reid has done. And it seems so simple, and this is simplifying it completely, and it's a little kind of a side point on that, is that it seems so simple that for so many years you took the college spread offense, and then to get to the NFL, can he be a pro-style quarterback? Can he take a snap under center? Can he do all these, can he read, can he do all these things? And then finally the coaches are like, you know what, why are we trying to force them to do this? Where Andy Reid says, you know what, I'm going to take what Patrick Mahomes likes doing. He had that uh, notebook that he talked about from Patrick's favorite plays at Texas Tech. <laughs> and then spent all offseason working those into his game plan going into last year. And then we saw him just absolutely murder the NFL with 5,000 yards and 50 touchdowns. And we kind of touched on earlier. Then defenses had a chance to study him all year. And that's why this season has been as impressive as anything. is because he's taking everyone's best shot. We talk about Andy Reid and his legacy. I do want to get this in there, too because I spoke with Tom Melvin earlier today about the legacy and all those things. Nobody on this staff and nobody outside of Tammy Reed and his family have been around Coach Reed as long as Tom Melvin has. Yeah. And for guys to understand how much time he's put into it and to hear the stories, and Coach Reed 
talks a lot about family and keeping things in house and it's a tight knit group and loyalty to one another. Tom Melvin told the stories of going back to their days at San Francisco State when he was the only senior offensive lineman, Tom Melvin, the only senior offensive lineman at San Francisco State and Coach Reed's first real coaching job when he's out selling hot dogs to make money for recruiting trips. But for Tom Melvin to say, once a week they went over and Tammy made the Mississippi mud pie for all of them, and they would watch film on the VHS tape and break down film as a way to get his guys together to create that continuity and that just that uh, love for one another amongst his offensive line group and that was kind of where he started and that's how he started building it way back when when he's grinding it out as basically a grad assistant and his you know entry-level coaching job uh, back there working for Vic Rowan at, uh, at San Francisco State but um, I just want to get that in there about Tom Melvin and Dave Tobe and their relationship starting yeah. back at uh, UTEP um, there are a lot of guys that uh, it, the players have a lot of mics in their face talking about what it's going to mean to them to try to get one for Andy Reid but this coaching staff and these guys that have known him for 30 years years um it's going to be special for them too by the way you've done a lot of good stuff in seven years but your best work is that long form on andy reed okay. and uh, honest to goodness it is a if you're a card-carrying red-blooded member of the chief's kingdom in brazil or mexico or uk or i don't know maryville missouri that long form read should be required reading for chief's kingdom 101 it's fabulous great Thank job you. because it gives Thank you terrific you. perspective on andy reed and just so we all realize what Andy Reid has done, seven years of winning for the Kansas City Chiefs or the Dallas Texans, it's never been done. And the fact that he's been a consistent winner year after year after year, 27-3 and three against the division, unprecedented uh, in the last five years. And it's been a division that's had a 12-4 and four Charger team, a 12-4 and four Raider team, and a world champion, Super Bowl champion uh, Denver Bronco team in that span puts it in perspective. Now let's go to the fourth quarter. And what we like to do, both on in the trenches and defending the kingdom, is take you places where you don't oh. even think about. What? I thought we were going to put the hammer down. Well, we'll get to that in the fourth. Oh, that's right. We it's need to do it at quarter. the beginning of the fourth quarter. All right. B.J. Kissel, Kendall Gammon's not here. All the Chiefs' kingdom, it's time to put the, the hammer, hammer down. down. And the gal's going, what? Uh, you want to use a seven iron for the hammer? Um, here's where this gets really interesting, is that there's, this is a lens now it actually goes both ways. Because of the interest in the Chiefs' kingdom, there is intrigue of now people looking at Arrowhead Stadium, Kansas City, and actually becoming a potential Mecca. I know of people, the Chargers were taken from them they, they're in retirement. They moved from Can San Diego to Kansas yeah. City because they wanted the kingdom. I've got friends that when my wife and I lived in San Diego for four years, and once the Chargers left, they were done with them. They tried to keep them there. They were part of the group trying to keep them, and they were done. I was like, come on, come on over. People are moving to Kansas City because they want this. It's I kid you not. It's interesting. So we had a chance to talk with Chiefs President Mark Donovan about that, about this branding, about what it can mean, and redefining Winning Super Bowl 54 could redefine uh, the whole franchise and accelerate this growth. And here's what he had to say. The impact that we're seeing now, it's been almost 100% growth, like in the digital platforms. Mm -hmm. um, but the interest that goes maybe beyond the region where it's become more of a potentially a national team or even an international flavor. Yeah, I think the combination of the talent on the team, and obviously Patrick leads that with his appeal and his worldwide presence now. Um, but you got to also acknowledge the other superstars on this team and the personalities of those superstars. Um, I think that all plays into it. And then combine that with the platforms that we've been on. And 
you talk about the ratings and the internet growth and the things we do socially, the opportunities we've been given and taken advantage of with playoff games, AFC championship games last year and this year, those are platforms where you've got you know, tens of millions of people around the world watching your game and seeing your brand. And the fact that we've had two of those at home exposes Kansas City and exposes Arrowhead and that whole experience that I've said this many times, Arrowhead's a bucket list if you're in sports, clearly in the NFL, but beyond sport, beyond the NFL, people just want to see Arrowhead. We keep getting these opportunities to be on those stages and take advantage of them, especially the way we did this year. This stage, as you've seen this week, is bigger than anyone can imagine. And we talked about this in 2009, preparing for success. And this is part of that talk is we're going to have opportunities like this. We've got to make sure we take advantage of them. And I think that's what we're trying to do this week. To your question, those opportunities create expansion opportunities. And I think when you look at what's happening to our brand, what's happening to our team, what's happening to our individual players, that's just that's going to continue to grow. And if you look at the history of the league, teams that get to this point and are able to maximize it continue to grow. So if you look at, you know, why are all these Steeler fans and Dolphins fans in the 70s and 80s? Well, look at their success on the field. That grew that. What happened? How did the Raiders get so popular in Mexico? Well, not only geographic, but look at their success in those years. And, you know, we think we're on a, we have the opportunity to be on a pretty good run here. And we're going to continue to try to take advantage of that. Very interesting comments because here's the thing with people that are season ticket members that go to Arrowhead Stadium and you and I grew up around it. Mm -hmm. I don't think we all of a sudden think about the last two AFC championship games have been there. People say, I want to go to Lambeau Field because I want to experience Lambeau. Remember the Ice Bowl of the 1967 game or whatever. Now that's Arrowhead. And here come people want to. I want to see Arrowhead. Is it really? Yeah. I, when I travel across the country, they go, "Is it really as cool?" I said, "It's better than that." Yeah. So now, think about it in that perspective. That's the coolest part, I think, of being like growing up a fan of the team and then working for the team. And you knew that Arrowhead was special, but you have no perspective, and uh, you you have pride. You're like the Arrowhead is the best. But when you go and see the other places, and you see that a lot of these other stadiums they don't have places to tailgate. There's not this big party like college atmosphere, and then. To know that that was kind of what was always said, and then to, as we travel around and we're on these road games, going to these different places, as the bus pulls in, I'm always just thinking, if I was a fan of this team, what would the atmosphere be like? How cool is it to go to a game? <laughs> and some of them have some spots that are cool, and people go, and they're always going to find a way to have a good time, but it's just different. And I love what Mark Donovan said about it being a bucket list, and not just going into Arrowhead Stadium, but going in and participating like the tailgate atmosphere. Because one thing about Chiefs fans and Chiefs Kingdom and just Midwestern values is that you don't have to know a ton of people like if you if you and your wife or you and your girlfriend or if you just got a couple of buddies and you want to go to a tailgate but you don't want to bring the grill out and all that you could find any grill or any tailgate spot in the parking lot at arrowhead walk up introduce yourself maybe throw them some sort of beverage and you're going to sit down and make a friend for the next like three or four hours and they've got the ford tailgate district that you can go tailgate at if you're from uh, a different place but um that's what's special about chief's kingdom and it's just so welcoming and you just welcome people um they're nice to everyone and i love what mark said again about it being a bucket list because the atmosphere is one thing once you're in the stadium it's special but it begins hours and hours before that out in the parking lots it becomes a drive for economic engine think about people from brazil and mexico they want to come here they want to see it this is their team that they love now they want to see patrick mahomes and arrowhead they will come to kansas city to visit and i'm telling you some because of this through this lens are coming to kansas city 
to live. It also sets up, if the Chiefs can win this, think about the parade, man. I mean, I know it's I, been I in, don't want I can't let myself I know, go I know. But think about what it would be. However, think about what it also sets up. Every year, the Chiefs being a challenger, not only in the AFC, but for the NFL. But we're also going to host the NFL draft. Yeah. 2023, opportunity to host the World Cup. The next 10 years for the city of Kansas City and the region could be the biggest uh, impactful 10 years in the history of the entire place. What do you say? Be prepared for success. Kathy Nelson and her group do a phenomenal job uh, with the Sports Commission. And I think more importantly, Mitch, with all this, like, branding and going to all these different countries and all that, you're going to have to buy a lot of Rosetta Stone and figure <laughs> out all these different languages so you can do all these touchdown Kansas City and all these calls and all the different languages because it's going to be important. They want to hear it. We had Cairo Santos. I had tried Portuguese. I just butchered it. So I'm going to be working on all of that stuff. I have to be like five languages. But anyway, <laughs> this edition, again, try to rethink the Super Bowl 54 run and what a victory in Super Bowl 54 will accelerate. It won't change anything, but it will accelerate and so here we go. He's B.J. Kissel. I'm Mitch Holtis, the voice of the Chiefs. Thanks for joining us, and let's get this win and get ready for a parade. Thanks for listening to the Chiefs' official podcast network.